Good evening. Good evening and welcome to the January 27th board meeting for the Shawnee Mission School District. Um, call everybody to order and our first item of business is the Pledge of Allegiance with who are our kiddos this evening um, from Prairie Elementary. Welcome. Sorry. The big purple shirt gave it away. Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Aren't they such a fine-looking group? So, from Prairie here, so would you like them to come this way? So come right on over here. Okay, so... Um, at Prairie, we have a student council, and we have two students from each class from second grade through sixth grade, so we start pretty young. We have representatives from each class, and they have monthly meetings. We have our sponsor here, Mrs. Bosch, who has served our Shawnee Mission kids. Let's give her a hand for 30-plus years. So. We're proud of her. She's also our PE teacher, and she proudly serves and really pr um, shares our Prairie pride and these wonderful children with the whole community. They go to Brighton Gardens, play bingo, music. We do several community projects. Um, one of the things we did this year is we made Mahomes bracelets for United Way campaign. Mm -hmm. Our goal was to raise 400, what was your goal? 400? Or less? I think it was like 480. And we our goal was to raise 200 and we raised $480. We just kept making bracelets and they were handmade and we painted little Mahomes number on them. So we think that's why they're going to the Super Bowl because we've been wearing those all over the Prairie community. So we are very proud of that. So wonderful group here. So this is our Prairie Student Council. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Would the kiddos like to introduce themselves yeah, to everybody sure. tonight and say your name and what grade you're in? Come around here because they'd like for you to say it here. Braden Hartwell, third. Third grade, and then you can stand over there by Mrs. Bosch, so we'll just go around that way. Sam Wonderly, third grade. Alex Wonderly, sixth grade. Chris Hartwell, sixth grade. Anna Roseman, fourth grade. Emma McKee, fourth grade. Lucas Keller, fourth grade. McCoy, fourth grade. Mia Zugelder, sixth grade. Tolly McCoy, fourth grade. Thank you so much, you guys. Okay, we'll move on to 1.3, the adoption of the agenda. I'll seek a motion to, for that. So moved. Second. Um, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Hi, Brad. Hi, Jamie. They're calling in this evening. Thank you, guys. So that was unanimous. Um, moving on to 1.4, approval of the minutes from the regular meeting on January 13th. Moved. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Anonymous. Moving on to 1.05, approval of the minutes from the special meeting, January 23rd. So moved. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. And then moving on to 2.1, the superintendent report. Okay. Thank you very much. Well, great to see everybody this evening. Uh, we're going to start off with, uh, you know, January is National Board of Education Appreciation Month. So on behalf of our students, staff, and community, I want to thank you, uh, SMSD Board of Education, for the many hours that you give to our district. You know, you serve without pay, and uh, you do so with a heart that is all about doing what's right for children. So we just want to take a moment to thank you for that. Thank you for being incredibly strong advocates for public education and for recognizing the importance, of er the importance that uh, every child has what they need for personal success. So thank you for all that you do. Well, tonight we have joining us uh, some student artists. In keeping with the board's commitment to student learning, they have some artwork to share. This artwork will be displayed in the boardroom 
and share it on our digital platforms. And this artwork has been turned into note cards. The student artists represent each of our five feeder areas, and we would like to thank and recognize these talented artists tonight. And so we're going to ask the artists to come forward, and they will be presented with a set of note cards. From the East Area at Belinder Elementary School, Beth Kuhn is the art teacher in... <laughs> yeah, there you go. And is collecting the note cards for kindergarten artist Carolyn Hurt. Yeah, thank you so much for being here to do that. From the North Area at Hawker Grove Middle School, teacher Caitlin Spencer is collecting the note cards on behalf of her eighth grade student, Wen Dang. Representing the Northwest area from Shawnee Mission Northwest High School is Savannah Minor, who is in ninth grade, and her teacher is Steph Cates. From Brookwood Elementary, representing the South area, is third grader Elliot Spisman. His art teacher is John Mosier. And finally, representing the West area from Comanche Elementary, we recognize Abby Dominguez in sixth grade, where Teresa McIntyre is her art teacher. Let's thank all of our talented artists. We very much look forward to seeing your art hanging in our boardroom in the very near future. Mm -hmm. Recognize another group, uh, outstanding group tonight, the Shawnee Mission North Strolling Strings performed and were recognized at the annual meeting of the Native Sons and Daughters of Kansas. The group received a proclamation from Laura Kelly, Kansas governor. The musicians and their director, director Anna Cook, were presented with a 2019 Citation for Distinguished Excellence in Entertainment. So congratulations to the Shawnee Mission North Strolling Strings. Last week, we hosted an event to recognize the milestone of 50 years as a unified school district. At this event, our students' talent, creativity, and imagination were shared and celebrated. We celebrated with food prepared by our culinary arts students in six different and unique food stations. We enjoyed student artwork from more than 20 of our elementary, middle, and high schools. And we were treated to a variety of outstanding student performances. Thank you to everyone who helped create this significant event in our district. And now we will recognize our Shawnee Mission All-Stars. Tonight, we are delighted to celebrate this month's honorees for their outstanding work. I invite David Ewers, Associate Principal at Shawnee Mission North High School, to introduce our first January All-Star honoree. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Fulton, members of the cabinet, members of the Board of Education, and community members present this evening. I want to thank everyone for giving me this opportunity to introduce an incredible member of our team, Kristen Abbey. Kristen Abbey has served as a special education instructor at Shine Mission North for the past year and a half. I had the opportunity to work with Kristen in a mentor role last year during her first year as a teacher. Her commitment to professional growth is unparalleled. I've never seen an instructor so eager to learn, to improve, and to excel in the teaching profession. Her level of professionalism is only surpassed by her compassion for the students she works with. Kristen takes a vested interest in the success of her children and treats the students in her class like they are her own. I've also had the pleasure of working with Kristen and six other members of the Shine Mission North faculty on the Corwin Deep Equity team that will train the staff at Shine Mission North. Kristen has been a leader in our cohort during our training sessions and has taught me how to look at issues of equity through a different lens. Kristen, Thank you for all that you do for our students and staff at Shining Mission North. You truly are an all-star. Kristen's just great all the way around. We're, we're so blessed to have her. She's mind-blowing. She, she makes me want to come to school most days. She wants what's best for kids, and that comes out 
and, and shows itself in, in every area of, of what she does. She's very instrumental in the success of our students in my classroom. It's like having a friend rather than a teacher, just like someone that I can confide in for not only academic and school-related personal issues, but also like stuff that's going on with me. I nominated Miss Abby because when I was a freshman, um, I was struggling a lot with academics, mental health, just the whole thing. And she was always there, no matter what. Like I could go to her classroom and talk to her, or uh, email her, ask for help, ask for support, anything, and she was there. And she does a great job of connecting with those kids that need that extra support the most. She's very good at her job. She's like a second mom because she's so driven and wants to see me and all of our students succeed. I'll do stuff outside of school and she'll ask, she'll be like, oh, when is it? I'll come in, I'll come in and watch you in your play or I'll come watch you do your sport because she just, she wants to know you as a person and help you grow and learn. It's, it's just awesome. And my students always do well in her classes. They always ask to work with her. They always say, oh, I'm going to do fine because Miss Abby is working with me. You know, she's only in her second year of teaching, but so many of the skills um, that she brings to the table are, are well beyond two years of experience. She's just a genuine person. Congratulations, Kristen. You're an absolute all-star. Congratulations on your award and recognition. You deserve it. We love you, and we love having you on our in our special education department. Hi, Ms. Abby. Thank you for everything that you've done for me and for the school and everyone else. Um, you've been wonderful and a really good advocate for me and everyone. Kristen, congratulations on being the January All-Star. Uh, for the Shawnee Mission School District. Obviously, all of us at Shawnee Mission North are extremely proud of you. Good job. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Miss Abby, for all that you do. You'll, you'll never understand how much you mean to me, and I'm so very grateful for you. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Kristen Abbey. Speech. I wasn't sure, you know, how long to make it, so it, I did what I did. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> I guess just do this. Okay. Um, <clears throat> for me, the role of teacher is not a fixed thing. It is ever-evolving and contingent upon learning from students and other participants in our shared learning spaces. As an educator, I've tried not to internalize hierarchies that alienate myself from my colleagues and my students. I see myself as a facilitator of learning, whose priorities include facilitating spaces that welcome conversation, community building, and empowerment. Spaces that foster mutual recognition between teachers and students. I would be remiss if I didn't explicitly acknowledge that students are absolutely essential in my development as both facilitator and student of learning in all areas of my life. I relish moments of shared vulnerability and growth, which may result from participation in the curriculum itself or more often from the resulting discussions and activities. Indeed, the most powerful memories I have as a teacher are those moments when students challenge themselves, one another, and myself when confronted with normalized curricular content by speaking about their experiences and sharing their truths. This, a successful deviation from the set agenda, is when I feel most accomplished as a facilitator of learning, a role that I delight in sharing with my students. It should be said that although I am a teacher, I am also a case manager. Um, I'm not always a fan of assigned titles and the subsequent duties. I may be a bit obstinate in that regard, I suppose. So rather than managing students, who of course are whole people, I find time to meet with and check in with them throughout the week. They often share stories from their personal lives with me. I share both special and insignificant going on in mine as well. As far as their progress in school and in their personal goals for transition into the community, we discuss strengths, celebrations, and areas for improvement. Having built a mutual trust together, we problem solve together. The students I support enjoy being challenged. What's more, they can handle it. And you'd better believe they challenge me. Some of the most refreshing times in my career are those when students have challenged me or frankly called me out. My signature laugh and snort, which in these moments can be heard far and wide, is a testament to this. 
So through text messages, emails, FaceTime, phone calls, random moments of flagging each other down in hallways, doorways, and stairwells, my, my students, their parents, and myself create plans together. Life plans, school plans, self-care plans, always prioritizing and centering the strengths and interests of the student. With the necessary documentation of such meetings and plan developing comes paperwork, right? Scanning these documents, I find myself typing the words self-advocacy often. What precedes the self-advocacy though, and this is what students, parents, and I always talk about, is the necessity for students to know and believe themselves to be whole. It is so necessary for the students I support to be given the tools to empower themselves so that they are able to lead and to live full lives during this time that I know them and also once they enter the world as self-proclaimed important and necessary members of society. If they recognize that they deserve happiness and fulfillment and that the educational setting is theirs to occupy, then they are able to claim space within the walls of our school as well as in the larger community. After having this conversation with myself many times in my six and a half years in education, I have resolved not to be surprised when students demonstrate the capacity to connect, innovate, and love in ways that challenge societal norms. They often ex exercise critical thought, patience, and understanding for themselves, their peers, and even me in times when I feel stretched most thin. In these moments, I am reminded of how the students I support embody, and embody the societal gravitation towards disciplined but gracious love and how hopeful I am for their futures as humans in this world. I know I stand here recognized for being an outlying educator, I, I think, I guess, but I cannot stress enough how much I revere the students I support and thank them for helping me remain committed to lifelong learning and community building. So for this, I want to celebrate them now, my students who have and will continue to teach me so much. Thank you. Thank you so much and congratulations. Now let me uh, welcome Chris, Chris Lowe, principal at Corinth Elementary, who will introduce the January All-Star from his school. Good evening. Thank you so much to the Board of Education, the Cabinet, and the Communications Department for taking time to recognize our amazing staff in the Shrine Mission School District. Today I get to introduce Tanya Krisnick. Tanya is an educational aide at Corinth Elementary and has been working with students, teachers, in our community for 15 years. As an educational aide, Tanya supports students in small group settings, works with students one-on-one, -on -one, provides supervision in the lunchroom, classrooms, and honestly, anywhere she's needed. What really sets Tanya apart is her ability to build quality relationships with all of our students. Tanya cares about our students well beyond 310 every day. Um, Tanya also brings an amazing spirit to school every day. I like to think I bring the most energy to school every day. However, Tanya, I will admit, has me beat. Um, she lifts up those around her each day, and I can't tell you how lucky we are to have her not only at Corinth, but supporting the Shrine Mission School District. So she's an educational aide. Um, so she supports mostly K through two classrooms. So she works with the teachers to support small groups of kiddos, reading, math. But then she also covers classrooms so we can have parent meetings, sit meetings. She supports the lunchroom every day. Honestly, if it needs to be done, Tanya's willing to help out and do it. She's got this initiative like you've never seen. She just is never sitting. She's always moving around. She's so dedicated to the students here. and She's willing to help staff, students alike. She just really wants to be part of the team. She is so outstanding and so dedicated. And she loves kids. And she is an amazing team player. She's the greatest example of life skill of initiative. She can just walk into our classroom and know immediately a million different things that she could do. She just seems to go out of her way to get to know kids and to be that positive role model, especially for kids who don't have that in their home. Some kids, she'll schedule time with the teachers to pop in and maybe take them on a break or take them on a walk. And just watching her roam the hallways with kiddos that need that extra time is awesome to see. What really made me respect her is she has a relationship with every student in my class. She knows them all by name and she loves every single student in this building. Tanya, congratulations on being the Shine Mission School District All-Star. We're very proud of you. The whole building is so proud of you for winning this All-Star Award. I can't think of a better person to win this award. Great job. Congratulations, Tanya. You're so deserving of this. Thank you so much for everything you do at Corinth. And I appreciate everything that you've done for our kids and our staff, and our parents, and our community, 
and Corinth. And I'm thrilled that you're finally getting this recognition across the district and everyone else is getting to see how lucky we are to have you at Corinth and as a part of our team. Congratulations, I am so proud of you. Not shocked, you are a rock star. <gasps> wow, we're so excited. You're amazing, we love you. Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> I want to thank the board tonight for recognizing me. I love my job. I get to go to work every day in a school and be with kids. So that's so special. To my awesome Corin staff back there, they go way overboard and beyond helping students every day, and I get to work with that staff. I love my job, and of course, all the students. If it wasn't for those students, they make my day. So a big shout out to our corn students. Go Dragons. Thank you. Well, congratulations to all of those being recognized tonight, and that concludes my report. Moving on to the board report. Um, Jamie, can you hear me? Do you have yes, a, hi. Hi. Do you have a SMAC PTA report for us tonight? Just a brief one. I received a wonderful welcome letter from SMAC PTA, and I will be attending my first meeting on a week from today, next Monday. Great. Thanks. And then Dr. Sinclair, I don't know. You probably haven't had an opportunity to attend a foundation meeting yet. So, okay. Well. We'll skip over that then. Um, and then, uh, Reverend Guy, do you have a KSB Board of Directors report? Yes. Um, last week, several of us attended advocacy days in Topeka. Dr. Sinclair was there, uh, Mr. Stratton was there, and myself. And that was um, a two-day conference about educational issues and how to advocate for our students and the things that we need as a district. So on... Tuesday, the first day, I've lost track of what day it was, um, we um, heard from the Secretary of State and the Attorney General here in Kansas and then went to the State House and wandered around and spoke to actually most of our Shawnee Mission legislators that day. And then we attended the State of the State address by Governor Kelly that evening. The next morning there were different breakout sessions and so the three of us decided we would each attend different things to learn about all of the many advocacy issues out there. So I went to one on Medicaid expansion, um, LGBTQ policy, and um, the mental health initiative from the state, the pilot. Um, so I'll let Dr. Sinclair tell you about the things that she did. And then after that, the KASB board met. So I had a board meeting that next day in the afternoon as well. And uh, the next and then I also, as part of KASB, was able to attend the dinner last Friday night, the Native Sons and Daughters, where they recognized not only the Shawnee Mission North Strolling Strings, but also Dale Dennis for a lifetime of service to the children in public education here in Kansas. So that was um, a wonderful evening to see him honored for all of his work on behalf of public education and to get to see the Strolling Strings not only perform but to get their citations. So that was wonderful as well. The next event I want to make sure that the whole board is aware, well I guess I should say the women on the board are aware of, um, is that KASB is having a Women in Leadership Conference March 24th and 25th that will be in Manhattan. And one of the keynotes is Sarah Smarsh who wrote Heartland. Um, so uh, Mrs. Owsley went last year I believe, and um, I've heard that it was a wonderful event. It was the first time they had it last year, so this is the second. So I'm planning to go, and I hope maybe others will be able to participate in that as well. And that's my report. Thank you. You're facilitating it, that right? You have a breakout session. You're um, John Heim has told me that I am doing you are something at that. <laughs> that women in yeah, I think I'm facilitating the board member breakout. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, and so now back to you, Dr. Sinclair, for the KSB legislative update. So the committee does not meet 
um, after this session has begun, but I would encourage um, board members and the, our patrons to look to the KASB.org website under advocacy to follow along. They also have regular updates along with our lobbyist, um, Dr. Little. Um, that would also be posted to the Shawnee Mission website. So those are two great sources to follow along. At the workshop, um, I attended one on special education, on the bullying task force, getting an update from that, and then also on the governor's budget. And then um, Mr. Stratton attended three other sessions, so we kind of tried to, to divide and conquer and hit all of the key topics. He attended one on early childhood, and Mr. Stratton, I can't remember which other ones you attended, but it was very informative. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Sarah, do, do you have anything on the policy review committee? I don't, other than our, our committee has gone, uh, is undergoing some changes uh, on personnel on the committee since Ms. Um, Sela is no longer on the board. And so I guess Jessica, Ms. Hembry is going to be enjoining me, according to this, and um, another member, I'm, I would imagine. So we'll get back going in February with meetings scheduled. Great, thank you. Um, and then now we'll move on to 2.03, a legislative update. And I think Dr. Stuart Little is here to give us an update. He is, and uh, Dr. Little will provide his report, and we'll, there'll be a written report to, to follow in your board documentation. Thank you. Good evening. Um, I'm going to um, give you a brief update of what's going on in the legislature. Of course, we're at the um, beginning of the second week, I guess it is, third week. Um, and um, I'll give a, a big picture look, talk about some specific legislation that's going on, kind of what we anticipate coming uh, going forward. Uh, obviously, the last uh, last week we began, normally we save big issues until the end of the legislative session, but there was a lot of time and energy taken up by committees working on Medicaid expansion beginning last week, continuing this week. We'll start having three more days of hearings this week on that in the Senate, uh, and the district did submit testimony in support of that, uh, and, uh, and it's going to be testimony of, we're talking about a couple of other issues as well here. Um, and then the constitutional amendment to deal with the Supreme Court decision from last summer with regard to abortion. So that's working its way through another joint committee. House and Senate are going to take that up. So we're, the, the issues that are going to be the issues at the end of the session are already out there. And for a lot of us, that's a symbolic of things are moving very quickly. And we're going to get to um, probably have the, one of the faster sessions we've had in a while. Um, in terms of the education-related issues, I'll start with, with um, the at-risk issue. Um, I don't believe I've been here because of a snowstorm and, and to talk about this since the legislative post audit came out in December and then um, we got into the legislative session and part of what of our, our legislative platform has uh, the the elimination of the sunset on the high density at risk so we kind of go into the session focused on that's what we want to see as a, as a, as a policy issue and we've got a bill Senate Bill 271 that will do that but everything and at risk has gotten muddled into the conversation about at risk. I'm happy to spend a lot of time talking about that, but the legislative post audit, as you all are well aware, uh, had some conclusions that uh, were a critique of how at risk funding of $450 million is spent, what the State Department of Education is doing to uh, um, manage where those dollars go. At-risk has always been a very confusing and complex system where you have pupils that generate revenue, but they aren't necessarily the pupils that need the at-risk services, and so you have to you have to use those dollars to serve those kids. And then we sometimes we make mistakes in legislation or do things that tie our hands in the future. And a couple of years ago, there was one of the one of the Gannon uh, resolution uh, uh, bills laws had language that said that the State Department had to make sure that we targeted those at-risk dollars to serve kids with at-risk, which has led to a great deal of ambiguity about, uh, and the, the post-auditor said, you're getting this money for at-risk, but you're, you're using it in a classroom that has both at-risk and not at-risk kids, and you shouldn't do that. And everybody on the education side is kind of scratching their heads saying, well, I'm not sure how we do that. Because you, and, and then, so there's a lot of issues to be worked out on that, and we've had probably five hearings on the at-risk issue, and it is, we're going to come to some resolution. Time is just simply going to make it happen because the legislative session is going to end. But 
Um, we're going to, we still need the fix, the Senate Bill 271 fix for the high density at risk. I don't expect anything significant to happen to the at risk issue because you really can't make any significant changes because of the Gannon decision that said, that has, has, has in their decision said, we understand how much money you're going to spend. We know where you're going to spend it, and we're going to re retain jurisdiction over that until we are done with the four years of inflation. If we make any adjustments to anything that's going on in the formula, we're automatically going to be back in court, I would suspect, because the plaintiffs aren't going to let those kind of things happen. So we're going to probably have a lot of talk about what to do. I think fundamentally for us as a school district, what we should be on the lookout for is if well-intentioned folks try to put more constraints and limits and guidelines on where we spend those resources, that's going to tie those dollars up even more and make it more of a challenge. If, 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 part, lots, some people read the legislative post-audit and said you essentially have to isolate to spend money on at-risk kids. And that, that, that simply just practically and pragmatically cannot happen. But so we're going to have to deal with some policy issues that folks may, because they know they can't make adjustments to the funding, but may put some constraints on it. So that's what we'll be watching for. I think we're just now kind of after two weeks of talking about this, people who want to uh, make some changes are beginning to think about what they want to do. And of course, one of the issues that we always have is the ambiguity of an issue means that people that are critical of the system pick on those points to start make them make those issues. So we're watching out for that. I'm happy to pause there and answer some questions related to at risk or move on through. I'm not going to take a tremendous amount of time, Madam President, whatever you'd like to do. Um, Dr. Sinclair? I would say keep going. I keep going? Okay, okay, we'll keep going. Okay. Um, so I have as well on here a couple of other issues that have come up, and I'm loosely, as we're getting bills, and we are not getting a ton of bills this year, which is a wonderful thing from someone in my position because there's not as much to report on, but it's also because I think the legislative session is going, going to go quickly and, and folks are going to be limiting what they're doing. There are a couple of things that are coming up that, that are, are worth noting. On Thursday, there's a, Wednesday, there's a hearing on a bill that would prohibit uh, school districts from becoming involved in contingency fee uh, lawsuits. So the Juul lawsuit, for example, some local jurisdictions have, have sued opioid manufacturers and those kinds of things. The Attorney General, uh, a variety of groups were talking about trying to stop local units of government, cities, counties, school districts from engaging in contingency fee uh, litigation. The Attorney General requested the bill, introduced it. It'll get a hearing in, uh, in the um, uh, Judiciary Committee, and we will, we have uh, prepared testimony, we'll be submitting testimony in opposition to that bill. The other issue that's come up this week was the uh, House Bill 2465, which is a amendment to the, the Low Income Student Scholarship uh, Program, which is the program that now for, I guess, maybe in the fourth year of this, which has, was the scholarship program where folks could donate to that as get a tax credit and then it would be began as a program designed to uh, target students poor poor performing schools students at risk you had to be at risk in a poor performing school and then you would be eligible for this scholarship and be able to take that to a, a, a non-public educational institution and and those resources would go it it has been in place we have begun after the year after we implemented it to make adjustments to those and make this uh, the, the the standards and requirements less rigorous and at this point the the bill that we have in front of us now amends the act down to uh, eliminate uh, a number of provisions that were in there so essentially uh, it, it it is it takes out the requirement of uh, being in a, at a, a low-performing school. Last year was a, two years ago it was a, the hundred lowest-performing school districts, and then last year it was the hundred lowest-performing elementary schools. And now it's a resident of Kansas. Um, so it's we're narrowing that down. Uh, we um, have written testimony that we'll be providing on Thursday to the House K-12 Education Budget Committee on this bill, uh, along with a lot of our our, our peers institutions and we're uh, and we're doing that I would mention just a couple of other bills of importance one of them um, is and the way things work in the legislature sometimes uh, uh, 
there was a draft of a bill that has an impact on on student work programs where um, attempting to address some of the ambiguity about a student going to a work program who has the the the, the liability uh, in trans going in transit and while you're at uh, at an employer's uh, uh, facility and there was a bill that was introduced today that um, is allegedly supposed to have a hearing on Thursday, so Mr. Smith and I may be crafting some testimony pretty quickly if that comes up, but, but it essentially puts all of the liability on the school district from the time essentially a student gets in a vehicle to go to a work program at the work program until they come back, the district is responsible for that while you have no control over what's happening at the work environment and those kind of things. So we'll have likely have a discussion about that. That's a relatively uh, significant issue. There are a couple of other, let's see, things in the written report. Probably the last thing I would mention to you, and I'm just kind of keeping an eye on this, there's a bill, Senate Bill 299 that was introduced, and it essentially moves uh, school districts that have over 5,000 students into the state school f election finance law, uh, which would make um, you all seeking office in the same uh, election finance category as folks running for statewide office or the legislature or those kinds of things. So it would have the same reporting requirements, the same caps on fundraising and those kind of things. I, I note with interest that it also makes specific reference to participa participation in partisan uh, primary uh, activities, which makes me wonder if this opens up the door to to uh, raise the issue of partisan elections. So it doesn't have a hearing yet, but it showed up and we're all kind of eyeing it to see what happens. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about these or other topics. I'm attempting to be mindful of your time tonight. Does anybody have any questions? Yes, <laughs> Dr. Sinclair. Um, my question actually might be more for um, Dr. Bolton. Um, the so you've uh, already drafted a couple of pieces of testimony for some of these earlier bills. And is there, um, a, I don't know what the strategy is or the logistics um, for posting that testimony to the website. I'm thinking that there is um, the tax credit scholarship expansion bill. That's one that the Shawnee Mission Area Council, PTA, and Education First um, tracked that one pretty closely and probably mm -hmm. would be sending out action alerts to the parents and patrons of Shawnee Mission. And if that's something that, you know, I don't know about the timing of it, if that's something we could share our testimony um, on the website before the hearing Thursday, then they can fold that into their work as well and it helps and us I'm going to defer to uh, Mr. Smith. Okay, thank you. So we have prepared testimony. We were planning to put it up the day of the hearing, but if you think it makes sense to put it up earlier, we can do that. And I'd be glad to share it with anybody who's interested. Um, I think, well, I guess the question is when, I mean, it's always kind of sensitive to know when it's helpful to have an action alert or when it, it sure. you know, sometimes that's not always helpful. But for this one, if we feel like that's something that I think that would be, that, yeah. let's, yeah, I, I mean, let's, let's talk because I'd be glad to share okay. our testimony with, with anybody who wants to look at okay. it early. Um, but we'll, we'll make sure that it all gets up. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, that was a lot of information. <laughs> Sorry if that was too much. <laughs> um, I might just go back a little bit to the beginning because I think the the voucher, our opposition to the voucher bill um, is clear, but also the we need that sunset provision that directly impacts our funding for next year if that sunset provision doesn't go away on the um, at-risk dollars. So there was a lot of information on the at-risk portion there. I did not catch, is there a bill already? Is there something for education advocates to look to to rely on on that one or? There is, it is, it is Senate Bill 271 and it's, it's in the report so when it gets posted on the website people can find that and there's, there's a link on there too so if you need to find the bill it's, it can guide you to that. It is in the Senate Education Committee, it is awaiting a hearing, they're going through informational briefings on topics at this point. Um, so there, and and the, the nice thing is that this is a shared concern from a variety of other large school districts who participate in this program so uh, it, it, it's not going to go away but it's not something that we've had any hearings on yet. 
And I think that our opposite, or our desire for that sunset provision to leave is also in the legislative platform that we're approving tonight for the six Johnson County school districts. Is that not in there? Oh, well, that one didn't make it. Never mind. Well, in any event, we're no. still wanting that one to go away. And then I have a question related to the at-risk. Is that, Are they indicating that you somehow have to segregate out at-risk students in order to fund them directly? And are they recognizing that that would create a disparate impact on those students? Is that is is that what they are proposing? And that would be a direct violation, I would think, of federal anti-discrimination laws, because even if it's targeted to a non-protected class status, if it impacts a protected class status, that would go directly in the face of Title VI. Is that is that what is being discussed? Well, it, you, you, you raise interesting questions, and then there are probably several other here who can weigh in on this, have read the, the audits, but um, and, and they have argued, the argument in the audit, by my recollection, I stand to be corrected, this said, that the dollars are being used to pay a teacher that's in a classroom that has both at-risk and not at-risk students. And they suggested that that is not the way it is supposed to, the dollars are supposed to be spent. And then when they gave their oral presentations, which they've done at least five times since the session began, they came to the verge almost of, 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 of segmenting out at-risk kids as the only solution to get around that. And so all of the education folks are saying, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not how this works. There's got to be a better way to do this. You need to acknowledge that. I think one of the issues is post-audit was attempting to be very strict and saying, this is what the law says. The dollars can be used for these pupils, period. And then when they looked at the audit, they said, oh, people besides those pupils are in a classroom, you're not following the rule. And it's almost like the law, the, the direction that the State Department of Ed got was so specific that it doesn't leave any latitude for reality and for what you're doing because your options are either you have to do it that way or you're getting into the realm of moving kids out of a classroom to teach them. And so I think that's where some of the, I would hope some of the clarification comes because it is ambiguous, but I'm not sure the, the, the auditors, uh, they took it on a very strict reading of what they think they were supposed to do and that's what's I think prompted a lot of the pushback from the education community. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think the pushback is well deserved. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sure. Okay. Well, moving on. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, number 2.04, the board financial report. Yes, Mr. Uh, Russell Knapp, our chief financial officer, is going to provide the board financial report for December 2019. Yes. Well, good evening. Um, I have four financial reports on the agenda tonight for your presentation and your review. The first one is our uh, monthly financial report for the month ending December 2019. It represents half, halfway through our fiscal year. Uh, the majority of the major expenditure lines are tracking well against the budget. We do have one that is exceeding budget at this time and that's the substitute cost. Um, we're right now about $75,000 more at this point than we were last year. But our utilities are looking good, and um, of course there's a lag there, and January temperatures have been good, so we keep crossing our fingers that we have a, uh, a good average winter. The, um, the next two are the student activities report and the petty cash reports. We're required to bring those to you uh, semi-annually, so we do that in January and then in July at the end of the year. The student activities report is just that. This is the building funds for the kiddos out in the building. Um, that They follow our district purchasing policies, but the money that they raise out there is, is your gate receipts from night events, um, uh, fundraisers, um, dues, uh, and that such. And that those stay at the building and is spent on the kids. And then the, the last one is the petty cash fund, which is, is hardly used anymore, but the high schools still get petty cash and they help uh, their seed money and their cash boxes for uh, activities in the evening. Um, so I'll pause there for those three if you had any specific questions about those three. Anyone have any questions? 
Dr. Sinclair? Um, there was no, was there any atypical lines that kind of exceeded parameters that you would think of? Or uh, not in the operating funds other than the uh, substitute cost that we mentioned, that I mentioned. Okay, thank yeah. you. And, and Jamie and Brad, I can't see you, so if you have a question, you have to pipe in. Okay, thanks. Okay. Okay. Okay, so the last report is our comprehensive annual financial report, often referred to as CAFR, and this is our uh, independent audit report that we are required to do by state statute annually. Uh, so it's done by an accounting firm, independent uh, accounting firm, and this is as of June 30th, 2019. Um, this was on the agenda for December, and we got pushed back because uh, of the snow, um, uh, the snow day in December. This this report is filed with the two state departments, the the federal audit clearinghouse, and then the. Um, there's one more that I filed this with, the Financial Reporting Data Warehouse, which is also called EMMA. And the importance of that is it puts our financial report out. This is done on a, on a gap basis. And this puts it out there for uh, investors that are interested in our bonds. So they often, this is the report that they use to determine um, if they want to invest in the, and how healthy the district is. Um, so... I brought uh, Abram Chris Lip that you met before. He's been here before. He's with Meishauser. He's the audit manager that has conducted the audit. So I'll bring I'll bring Abram up, and he'll talk a little bit. And if we have any questions, uh, we can uh, answer this for you. Good evening. Uh, I'll try to just touch quickly on the the key components of the audit, and then, as Russ said, if there's any questions, I'm more than happy to answer those. Um, Basically, there's kind of three main components of the audit, the first of which is simply to express an opinion on these financial statements taken as a whole. And our opinion can be found at the bottom of page one of the report, and it is what's known as an unqualified opinion. Um, there's a number of different audit opinions that we can express. This is the highest, and it just simply means that we believe these financial statements are presented fairly in all material respects with the U.S. Uh, generally accepted accounting principles. Um, again, this is the highest that we can express and reflects very positively on financial management here at the district. The, the other two kind of key components of the audit are, are there because the district spends more than $750,000 annually in federal aid. Um, when that threshold is passed, it... <laughs> Um, requires some, some additional audit procedures and known as a single audit to be implemented. And the federal government kind of lays out a series of objectives, and then we have to, to go through those objectives and, and audit to them. Um, so I'm going to skip kind of a huge chunk of the middle of the financial statements. Um, the middle is all of the required uh, schedules, uh, note disclosures, the stats section, kind of all the things that we really can't go over in a, in a setting like this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump clear to the back, um, page 104, and this is the schedule of expenditures of federal awards, and it shows that the district spent just a little over $17 million in federal aid this past fiscal year across a number of different um, grants. We are required to audit at least 20% of those federal expenditures each year, and we're also required to audit every major program at least once every three years. So they're kind of on a rotating basis. This past fiscal year, we selected the Title I program, and auditing that program met, met both thresholds for us. And we are required to report to you any, any findings we had in relation to internal controls or in relation to compliance with that federal program. Um, in addition, because we do this special single audit, we're also required to look at the district as a whole and report any internal control deficiencies or non-compliance with any other areas within the district in regard to finances. So the, the schedule that kind of lays out the results of those last two main components of the audit is on page 106. And you can see that there's just sort of a, a column with a bunch of no's checked, meaning we did not find any internal control deficiencies. We did not find any significant noncompliance. Um, again, this is exactly the result you'd want to see um, and has been the, the result the last several years for this audit. So that's, that's kind of the audit in a nutshell. Um, if you have questions, I'm more than happy to, to address those at this time. 
Anyone have any questions? Dr. Sinclair? Um, on the, uh, this is just more about what you look for in this part. Mm -hmm. On page 31, it's looking at fund balance reserves. What, as an audit, do you look for in that part of the review? Um, we don't necessarily have any particular areas that we're looking at there. I mean, there are obviously requirements fund by fund that you, you cannot be over budget and you cannot run your, your cash balances into the negative. Um, but there is not a requirement from, from our standpoint to look at a, a ratio or anything along those lines. So we simply report um, the, the fund balances across each fund that are on the books and make sure that the, the accounting is, is correct uh, okay. over those. But. Thank you. I have a question that I think is probably best for Mr. Knapp. Um, it's a newbie question. Um, what audits are we subject to as a district? Is this the only audit we'll, we participate in for a given fiscal year, or what other audits do we No, um, we get audited twice by the Kansas State Department of Education. They come in in July, and they audit our special education claim for our teachers in Paris. And then they come back in um, usually late October and do our head count, our September 20th headcount and they do that audit and they also do some financial audits at that same time um, but because of the size um, Abrams group does that single audit act and, and so this is our only independent audit that we get the others are government agencies that are doing the auditing yeah that's correct and how um, just process wise how frequently do we rebid who does our audit I know there have been concerns in the past about people using the same auditor for well, we're currently we're in the process of rebidding it right now um, the timeline is to bring a, uh, a new recommendation on February 24th to the board is our goal um, Mize Hauser is getting out of the uh, local government auditing business the 140 um, page auditing business <laughs> got it <laughs> so this will be our last time we have Abram here he's done a great job for us so I appreciate it um, but yeah, we'll be uh, bringing a recommendation here, uh, hopefully in that second board meeting in February. Wonderful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you both. Okay, and moving on to public comment. Um, public comment occurs at every regularly scheduled Board of Education meeting. If you'd like to address the board during public comment, we ask that you complete the public comment information card prior to the meeting and provide it to the board clerk. Um, please get it to her at least 10 minutes prior to the start of the meeting. Um, requests for auxiliary aids or services for persons needing assistance can be made to Terry as well. Um, with advance notice, we can make sure that those are in place for you. There are a few reminders that we have for speakers um, when they're making their remarks. Please proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name, city of residency. Um, what schools, if relevant for yourself, and the name of any group or organization you're representing. Please limit your remarks to three minutes. Um, I will uh, note when three minutes is up for every speaker, regardless of whatever it is that they're talking on, just to make sure that we're applying that equally across um, the board to everyone. In consideration of everyone's time, please select a group spokesperson to represent your interests, or you may choose to pass when your name is called if a previous speaker has already expressed your concerns. Written comments and materials can be accepted and should be given to the clerk for distribution and we request that you provide eight copies so all of us and Dr. Fulton can each receive a copy. Um, please make your comments while remaining behind the podium. Um, complaints regarding specific students or staff should first be addressed to the administration in accordance with board policy KN um, and this would allow us to um, consider hearing such complaints in executive session in order to protect privacy rights for both students and for staff members. Um, if comments pertain to an item on the meeting's agenda, I may ask Dr. Fulton or his designee to address the comments if he's able to at that time. And generally, responses from board members during public comment will be limited only to clarifying questions. So on that note, we have one person this evening for public comment, and that is Abigail Anna Williams. Hello, my name is Abigail Anna Williams, and I reside in the city of Leewood, and I attend Shawnee Mission East, where I am a senior this year. Student body offended by its own district. My question to you is how can you not respect your teachers? Quite frankly, they're amazing. 
How have we gotten to this point in the year without a contract for the teachers? I have in a seven classes a day schedule for the students, this goal of individualized learning plans isn't even possible in class. 55 minutes as teachers struggle to compose all students, getting them to work on the day's assignments. Questions skipped because of overscheduling of resources leads me, an average student struggling. My understanding of the concept harmed by the school district's planning, let me be clear, on lack of planning and overscheduling of a limited resource, the teachers. The great teachers in your district have always put their students first. I had a teacher in Algebra 2. She stayed with me till 7.50 p.m. one night before the test on a block day. They give a lot of themselves to see their students succeed. You, as a board member, members, are making a crucial decision. What is your plan? The district is abusing the teachers by forcing them to teach six sections instead of five sections, which is standard. They are not being compensated for the extra time spent teaching. When you look at um, teaching six sections over the course of five years, they have spent an extra year teaching without pay. Would you advise your child or friend to stay in an abusive relationship? Teachers have no leverage to strike, so the district can make the decisions for them. As the teachers have their hands tied, they will try their hardest to stay supportive, to stay and support the students even through the abuse. Seeing teachers at their breaking point is heartbreaking to watch. The district doesn't have enough substitutes at this point. What is the plan if negotiations fail? The teachers leave and some begin to resign. What is your contingency plan? What do you want your legacy to be when your time on the board is done? because you have chosen more downtime or want to pursue further political aspirations. How do you want to be remembered? Strengthening the district or destroying it by not supporting the teachers. Hypocrisy is all I see here and broken promises from your campaigns. We the students who stand for our teachers. Please students, wear red on Tuesdays to support the great staff and teachers. Thank you. Sorry about that. Thank you. Moving on to the consent agenda, or the consent items on 4.1. Let's seek a motion to approve. So moved. Can I, I ask this newbie question. Can I would really like to have some discussion on 4.1, 4.03. Oh, Just yeah. Would you like to make a motion to remove 4.03 yes, from like the consent it. agenda? Yes, I would. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> we will. All right. Then I will seek a motion to approve the consent agenda minus 4.03, which we will then move to vote on afterwards, correct? Singly by itself. Action. Move it into action. Okay. Um, seeking the motion. You move move, move to do that? Okay. So then I'll ask for a second. Second. All right. All those in favor? Aye. 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 I heard Jamie on there, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was yep. unanimous? Okay. And I guess we move on to 4.03. Um, and I'll ask what your question yeah, is. Yeah, I think these appear before the board fairly regularly, so you guys all have more experience with them than I do. Um, it would be helpful for me um, if I could just get an overview. This description makes motion of the fact that we have a request before us to waive a late resignation penalty for a teacher. Um, and it makes mention of the fact that this particular circumstance doesn't meet any of the criteria related to when we would waive a late resignation fee. So I would just love a summary of what the circumstances are when we would kind of de facto waive that late resignation penalty. Sure, I'll have Dr. Fulton answer that one. For sure, you. and I'm gonna have Dr. Sumner come up and provide a, just a brief overview of the process. Thank you. And that it has to do with what constitutes when Sure. You would waive. The, the most typical circumstances in which a recommendation is made to waive the fee is when an individual is stepping away from their assignment to care for themselves as the result of illness or accident or a family member. Uh, we've also made um, such recommendations for a bona fide move if somebody is uh, moving away from the school district and obviously does not make it practical or reasonable for that individual to maintain employment here or if they're traveling with a family member spouse who's uh, moving as a result of a job change or something like that. 
exception? Are these all special exceptions that are within the contract language, the current PNA, or is it sort of a typical thing we do? No, there there are guidelines laid out in the PNA, uh, but we do we have made special circumstance requests on behalf of staff members. Uh, based on sensitive uh, information or details that might warrant additional consideration. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Sumner, or Dr. Sumner. Sorry about that. Um, so, so I'm going to seek a motion to approve 4.03. Do you want to, I'll ask, so do you want to make the motion since you pulled it, or do you? Um, sure, I'll make a motion to approve 4.03. Okay. I'll second that. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. So yes, Sarah seconded. Okay. Um, what? No, I didn't hear any opposed. I just heard A's. Eyes. Um, and then that'll put us down into the action items 5.1, um, the approval of the Johnson County School District Joint Legislative Platform Priorities. Do you have? Okay, so uh, this, was, uh, this was a document that was put together by the Boards of Education and uh, superintendents were also part of that process by the six Johnson County School Districts. And um, it, it represents the, um, uh, the common agreement among the districts on hot topics. It doesn't hit every issue. It's short by design, but it does get to those uh, issues that do impact every school district in Johnson County. I guess I'll seek a motion to approve. We don't need to go over what all the each individual parts are. I'd make a motion. Second. Second. Okay. Um, we'll have Brad second so that he can be participating from afar. <laughs> Mary did. All those in favor? Aye. 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 And moving on to 5-2. Appointment of Finance and Facilities Committee members. Um, now this is the Finance and Facilities Committee, I, I'll speak on this for just a minute, um, that we just formed under Brad's leadership and each member of the board selected an appointee to be on the committee and then um, two board members volunteered uh, to participate as well. Um, and so the names from the selected folks are there. Um, I can go ahead and read them out loud so people listening can hear from the east area. We have uh, Melissa Rooker from the north area, Susan Metzger from the northwest area, Ryan Weiniger from the south area, Gary Strout from the west area, Angelique Rodriguez Gunyan um, and from an at large uh, appointment, Chris White, and then another at large appointment for Susan Lindahl. Um, and the board members are Brad Stratton and uh, Dr. Sinclair. So we will make a, we need a motion to approve our new board. I'll move approval. Second. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. 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 That was unanimous. I didn't hear. Okay. Did I hear Jamie? I think I did. Yes. Yeah. I should have let you second, okay. Brad. Sorry. Okay. Well, congratulations to all of those who now have a, um, uh, non-paid volunteer position to go over lots of numbers with Russ. Have fun with that. <laughs> um, actually, it, it'll be that, that'll be really good. I shouldn't bring my sarcasm to the board. I apologize. No, if it's Russ. <laughs> um, all right, moving on to five three approval of the train performance contract for the HVAC equipment. And I'll let Dr. Fulton speak to this. Um, yes, this is part of a uh, performance contract that we have with Train to address. Uh, air quality improvements, HVAC controls, HVAC equipment replacement, and so on at Arrowhead, Shawnee Mission East, and Shawnee Mission South High School. Okay. <coughs> All right. Going to seek a motion to approve. So moved. Second. Thank you. All those in favor? Aye. 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 And no one is opposed to air conditioning. So 5-3 passes. And we're moving on to 5-4. Approval of the appointment of the district negotiations team for NEA Shawnee Mission for tomorrow. Yes, we have, uh, we have a negotiations team, but we're adding to that team Mr. Gro Greg Goheen. Is, he is the district's legal counsel, and we're adding him to that team. 
Okay. I'll take a motion to approve. I'll make a motion. Second. Second. Thank you. Um, that was Jessica who seconded and Dr. Sinclair who made the motion. All those in favor? Aye. 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 That uh, was unanimous. I didn't hear anybody missing. And that gets us to the end of our action items and on to board comments. So I will look to see who has board comments this evening. Right. Dr. Sinclair? Um, I would like to extend a thank you to all of the applicants for the Finance and Facilities Committee. Um, in the East Area alone, there were a significant number of applicants that reflected I don't know, over 150 years of experience across either finance or facilities. I wish I could have appointed more than one. Um, and I hope those of you that who um, applied will um, come stay, uh, maybe stay available for consultation or something. That was, uh, I, I appreciate the commitment to that. So thank you. Um, Brad or Jamie, do you have comments and I can't see you? Uh, yes, please. I wanted to give a little shout out to Mr. Flora, the principal of Schwano Elementary. I had the great privilege of touring Schwano last week, and I was just very impressed with Schwano. Their staff was amazing. Um, of course, their kids were just so smart and could not have been any cuter. Um, I really appreciate the fact that Schwano is meeting the kids uh, where they're at. They have mobile food pantries, and they have... Um, you know, just different areas that um, they're exposing kids to um, just a wonderful array of opportunities like sewing, 3D printers. Um, they have a growing number of kids in enhanced math, and I'm just very impressed with all the great work that's being done at Schwano. In addition, I just wanted to um, give a shout out to the entire district and Kindness Week. There are so many great things happening in our district. Um, with kindness week this week and I just can't keep up with it all but every single thing is just so happy and I hope that um, we can continue the that kindness and that same spirit of one community um, in the weeks and months ahead. Thank you. Oh yes Sarah. Um, I just want to um, let everyone know if you didn't see it on Facebook this weekend that Shawnee Mission North NJROTC program won the Area 9 championship. They actually swept this year, got number uh, first place ratings in every single sorry every single category, and there's probably about nine to ten categories. So they are on their way to Pensacola again this year. I don't know how many years that is running, but it's a lot, umpteen years. So they'll be going back to Pensacola, I think, in, in April. So I just wanted to let you know that. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. And I'll share just a quick thank you to John Deemer Elementary. They do a Monday morning social-emotional learning activity as a whole school, and they invited me to come and observe this morning, and it was a lovely, lovely way to start Kindness Week. Well, that being said, it looks like we are wrapping up. Um, Heather? Yes, Brad. Heather? Yes. Yeah, Brad, we'll give you an opportunity. Uh, I just wanted to say that I really, really hope that we are uh, given the opportunity to make a very difficult decision, and that is calling a red snow day in one more week. So go Chiefs, and we hope we have to make that decision in a week. Go Chiefs. <laughs> Thank you, Brad, for your learned insight. Um, Thank you very much, everyone, for attending this evening. I'm going to seek a motion from Dr. Sinclair to send us into executive session. And actually, can we have a five-minute um, window between now and when that starts as well? Okay. So I move we go into executive session to discuss negotiations pursuant to the exception for employer-employee negotiations under COMA, and the board will reconvene in the room at 7.15, and we'll meet until... When? Uh, should we start with 45 minutes till 8? And we can extend after 8, and there'll be no further business. There'll be no further business when we come back from this executive session. That's the motion. Do we have a second? I'll second. Thank you. Second. Sorry. All right. All those in favor? Aye. 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 And none opposed? Um, thank you ever, very much, everyone. And we're going to hang up here and.